0: Man, All right. I want you to notice in verse one of Psalms chapter thirty-two. I love this verse. It's quoted in the New Testament. We're going to look at it a little bit, but it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. When you see the word blessed, think of the word happy. you know, think of happy. Okay, a person who's blessed, somebody who's happy. Okay? Blessed a lot of people think it means, you know, possessions and things you have, but it just means somebody who's happy. There's a lot of people who have great possessions, but they are not blessed people. They are not happy when they're not enjoying what they have. And the Bible is saying, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. We don't use that word impute that often, but it basically gets credited for, uh, you know when we don't get credit for sin. And we see in the, in the New Testament too, that we actually as believers, because of our faith in Christ, we get imputed righteousness. We get credited righteousness, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus Christ did. And he's saying that person is blessed that has those things. And it says in verse 3, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, and my moisture is turned to the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sins, lot. What I want to talk about this morning is peace through confession, peace through confession. That word confession is one, you know, there's many words that make Baptists nervous sometimes. You know, we don't like the word confession because what do you think of when you think about confession, all right? Especially if you're from the Catholic church, you know, you think of that confessional booth, you think about confessing your sins to a priest, but let me tell you something, confession is not a bad word, confession is a biblical word, Uh, you know, confession is a good thing. It's just... You don't confess your sins to somebody who doesn't have power to forgive you of those sins. Okay, I don't have the power to forgive you of sins that you've done against God. I do have the power to forgive you of sins that you've done to me. And if you've sinned against me or somebody else, you ought to confess your sins to that person. Uh, But when it comes to your sins against God, you confess those to God and God only. You don't confess those to me. I don't want to hear them tell you the truth. I would rather not know all your dirty little secrets. That would mess me up knowing that. But the confession is a good thing. And we see, you know, we live in a world today, though, that is, is plagued by this anxiety, depression. I mean, we've got so many mental disorders. We're making up new ones all the time, coming up with new names for these things. And it seems like the only people that are getting victory in the world today when it comes to the mental state of America as the pharmaceutical companies. Alright, they're making out like a bandit with, when it comes to these things. And, you know, many people, they're living with guilt, they're living with despair, they're constantly being eaten up on the inside because of conflict in their life. And people are just looking for peace. That's why many people turn to drugs and many people will turn to alcohol. It gives them a temporary peace. But the thing is, it doesn't fix anything. And you end up being, you know, after you, get sobered up, you're worse off than you were before. And you know, much of the anxiety that we face in our life, a lot of our problems are conflicts. It's conflicts that we're having with people. Sometimes it's conflicts with ourselves. And many times it's conflicts with God. We are, we are at war many times. Why? Because we sin. We have transgressions, okay? We all like to say, well, nobody's perfect. And we say nobody's perfect like that's an excuse. Like, you know, you know get over the fact that I sinned against you. Nobody's perfect. And that's that's a bad attitude. Yeah, it's true that nobody's perfect. But you know what? If you sin against somebody, when you do something wrong, you ought to make it right. You ought to confess that sin. You You ought to take care of that. And in Psalms 32, we see David is talking about how blessed or happy is the man who is not imputed iniquity. One whose sins are covered. And we see in this passage how all he had to do to receive that blessing... Was it was through confession. He said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. Turn over to Romans chapter four and verse six. Let me show you a passage in Romans uh, chapter four. This is in Romans he's quoting this very psalm that we read, and it says, um, we'll start reading in verse four. It says, Now to him that worketh not, or that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. That, I don't know about you, but that makes me happy to know that even though I'm a sinner, that sin is not imputed unto me. I am seen as righteous before God thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, what did I do to get that righteousness? It's telling us here in Romans that righteousness, it didn't come by the works of the law. In fact, it came without works. It says to him that worketh not, but believeth. The person who gets that righteousness is the one who has just put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And you know what that does? That brings happiness. That brings peace. That brings assurance of salvation. I have assurance of my salvation today, not because of my own life, but because of what Jesus Christ did for me. Many people today are struggling with assurance of their salvation because they're being fed a load of baloney from a lot of preachers that, you know what, if you're struggling with sin in your life, it's because you're probably not saved. And so they're constantly looking at themselves and wondering, you know, am I saved or not? I still struggle with sin. And so they live a life of conflict. They live a life of this turmoil. It's a life of bondage is what the Bible calls it, where they're thinking, you know, I want to know that I'm saved. And so they're trying to do all these good things to make sure that they are saved. Well, man, I heard that preacher say, if you're not going to church, it's because you're not saved. Well, I got to go to church. You know, and and we know it's not by works, but if you know they're all like, if you don't do the works, you were never really saved. So now it's like, well, I guess I gotta go do the works. And so they're constantly doubting their salvation. And but the Bible says that blessed or happy is the man in whom the Lord will not impute sin. And the truth is we've learned from the scriptures that we are saved without works. The proof of our salvation is not in our works, it's in the work of Jesus Christ, and that makes us happy. That brings us peace. That I am not living day to day thinking I better keep all these laws or that I'm probably not saved. I I can live my life knowing that I'm saved, knowing my sins are not imputed unto me, knowing that my transgressions are covered. I'm happy. I'm at peace. I no longer have that conflict in my life. How did I get that? How did I get this righteousness that I claim to have today? Well, I got it by believing on Christ. I confessed my sins to Him. I acknowledged my sin. I'll show you some more scriptures on that in a little bit. But that's all I did. I confessed it. You know what I did? I admitted my guilt. And what most people are doing today, especially in your workspace based religions, they refuse to admit their guilt. They think they can get to heaven by their own works. They think they can get to heaven by their righteousness. And these people can never be at peace because, you know, I better make sure I'm keeping the sacraments, I'm keeping the, you know, or keeping the Sabbath or keeping whatever, whatever they think that it is they're supposed to do in order to get to heaven. They constantly are in turmoil thinking, I got to do these things in order to be saved. And they have no peace in their life. And that is not what's supposed to happen. You see, guilt... We see is what creates conflict, and any person, I don't care what they tell you, that's trying to get to heaven by their own good works. Okay, they know that's not true. They know that in there that they know that they're guilty. And look what it says in Romans chapter three, and verse nine. Romans chapter three, in verse nine. You know, I need to get turned over there. I didn't put that in my notes. This is an important thing that we need to understand when it comes to. Uh, you know, having peace and actually be, actually being able to enjoy our salvation. It says that uh what then are we uh or no it's verse nineteen I want, I'm sorry. Verse nineteen. Now we know what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Okay, now let me ask you we all say we all know we're sinners, right? Well, the Bible teaches that sin is a transgression of the law. The Old Testament, the law of God, is what we are all guilty of, right? And when we read those laws, we find out that, you know what? I've transgressed those things. I'm guilty. Verse 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in His sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. We learn that about our sinful condition By reading the law of God, we've got people today that are trying to say, you know, the Old Testament, it's done away, which is not true. The carnal ordinances are done away. Jesus completed those things. But do you realize when a person admits they're a sinner, they are admitting I am guilty of breaking the Old Testament law. That's what we're guilty of. That's what sin is. It's a violation of the law. And so the truth is the Old Testament is still in effect today because of the fact that we are all guilty of it. And that's why we're on our way to hell. We have broke we've broken those laws, but Jesus Christ came to earth and he made a new testament, a new covenant. And while we are all guilty by the old covenant through Jesus Christ, we can all be made righteous. And guess what? That righteousness has nothing to do with our works. And all we have to do is acknowledge, we have to acknowledge that sin. And many people today, it's like they're in denial. They will not admit their guilt. And do you realize if you will not admit that you're a sinner, if you will not realize you're a sinner, you can't be saved? And if you're not saved, how can you have that blessedness? How can you have that peace? You have to acknowledge your sin. And people today are living in conflict. You know, a lot of our conflicts we have are by our own conscience because we know we're wrong. We know we, we've done God wrong. We know we've done other people wrong. There may be some of you in here today, there's people that you just, you can't face. There's people that you, when you go out in public, you're hoping you don't run into them. You're hoping you don't see them. There's conflict. Why? Because you know you have sinned against that person. There is guilt that you have. You are guilty and you know it. And so you can't face that person. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live a life where I'm scared of people and where I'm scared of seeing somebody. I don't want, I, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to create that, con- that internal conflict in my life. And many people, they mistakenly think that they can make up for bad they've done by doing good. And many times too, you know, for, and for example, you know, what we've done against God, they'll think, well, I'll go do some good works and that'll make up for it. But no, that, that's not how it works. You know, you need to, you need to, sometimes confession is all you can do. You just need to, you, know, you need to go to that person and say, listen, I admit my guilt. And so you can face them again. So you can find out what needs to be due to make things right. You know, we, there's conflicts we have between us and our own conscience. There's conflicts between us and men. I mean, there's some people that we might literally be at war with. People that you know you can't see them. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a family member that you literally have a conflict. And it's hard to face people you've wronged. There's conflicts between you and God, and you know you may be able to overcome the conflict that you have between yourself. You might be able to get over it. You know you might win in your conflict against your neighbor or against your fellow man, but you're never going to overcome the conflict that's between you and God. You're never going to win that one, and, and so you might be able to avoid you know facing man you can move to another state and i i I did a bunch of people in this town wrong i'll just move to another state but you know what you can't move away from god just ask jonah about that in jonah chapter 1 and verse 3 we see that jonah it, it talks about him it says jonah rose to flee to tarshish from the presence of the lord what was he thinking what was he thinking he was going to flee from the presence of the lord so then we went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare there and went down to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He said, I, I can get away from God. I can hide from him. You can't hide from God. No, or Jonah was having a conflict. Jonah did not want to do what God wanted him to do. And Jonah thought, I can overcome this thing. I can win this conflict. And Jonah, I mean, he was so backslidden. He was so determined not to do the will of God. He pretty much had these, one uh, of these people to kill him. So he wouldn't have to go to Nineveh. But we see God ended up sparing his life by having him swallowed by a whale. You know, you can't get away from God. You're not going to win in your conflict between you and God. And the truth is, you know, guilt creates conflict. And that's what people have. That's what the world has. There is a conflict between us and God. And that conflict is because of our sin. We all know that we've sinned, all right? Man is sinful, and just like there's people out there, they're trying to refuse to, they're refusing to admit it, but they know, they know deep down in their heart they've done wrong. That conflict that maybe you have between you and your neighbor or you and your family member where you can't even face that person anymore, I don't care how much you've told yourself that you were right in that situation, that you didn't do anything wrong, if you have guilt, you know it, and it creates an internal conflict inside of you that I'm just gonna it's going to, it'll eat you up. You know, there's a reason that some people out there are just the grumps like they are. I mean, have you ever just met that old miserable cuss that just, you know, was just a storm cloud over him all the time? Why is that? Why is somebody like that? You know why? Because probably a lot of conflict is just eating him up and it's made him mean. It's it's made him cruel. He's got a nasty attitude, he doesn't have peace. They're always complaining. I, I've come across these people. I'll be out soulin'g. And I'll invite them to church, and I, I, don't, I don't go to church. And they'll tell you about all their horrible experiences they had in church, and just all the evil people in church. And they just it's it's made them miserable. And the truth is, but what, whatever everybody wants peace. Everybody wants that calm. Everybody wants that you know relief. But what, what the reason most people miss it is because they're never willing to confess and admit their guilt. And that's what a person has to do in order to have peace. Confession is the only way for peace. Look what it says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Well-known passage of Scripture here it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we are confessing the Lord Jesus, when we are confessing Him for righteousness, what we are doing is we are admitting our guilt. We are admitting His innocence. We are confessing that what we did was guilty, that He paid our sin debt for us. And that our righteousness has nothing to do with our works, but it has everything to do with His works. And the Bible says that those who believe on Him shall not be ashamed. That's quoting an Old Testament scripture where it says they'll not be, they will not make haste. In other words, we will not be anxious. We will not be worried. We will not be wondering. We won't be having that conflict. I mean, I, I've never been there before and I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand. If you've ever been in court before and you've been charged with a crime and maybe you had to stand before a jury and you're sitting there and you're waiting, am I going to be innocent or guilty? And I can't imagine how scary that would be, especially if it was something for meant prison time. That would be scary to stand before a jury and to wonder, am I going to be found innocent or am I going to be found guilty? And what are you going to be thinking of the whole time of that trial? Did I do a good enough job testifying? Did my lawyer do a good enough job defending me? Am I going to be okay? You know what you're going to do? You're going to be making haste. You're going to be wondering, am I I innocent or am I guilty? And the truth is, those who are putting their faith in their works or their religion, those people are going to make haste. They're going to be worried. Uh, I don't know for sure if I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if when I stand before God, I'm going to be found guilty or innocent. And those people are the ones that are going to make haste. Those people are the ones that are going to be ashamed because they're going to find themselves to be guilty. But those who have confessed, those who have admitted their guilt, and those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they will not be ashamed. They will not make haste. You know why? Because for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible is very clear about that. And so those of us who are saved, we are at peace right now. We have entered into His rest. I'm not worried about keeping the Sabbath day and you know not doing any work on Saturday because I'm violating something. I have entered into His rest. Jesus Christ kept that for me and therefore I am, I am good. I, every day is the Sabbath day for me. I have ceased from my labors. I'm not even trying to keep those carnal ordinances. I'm not, I don't, I'm not worried about keeping the Passover this spring. I'm not worried about keeping the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Trumpets and all those things. Jesus did that for me. We don't have to worry about the circumcision and things like that. Those things have been finished with Jesus Christ. And even when it comes to my guilt in the moral law, Jesus Christ lived a righteous life and I will receive His righteousness. Why? Not because of any work. We read that verse, but because I believed on Him. I confessed my guilt. The law declared me guilty and instead of fighting it, instead of trying to prove my innocence, what did I do? I admitted my guilt. I confessed. And as a result of that, I'm able to have peace. I'm able to have peace with God. So confession is the only way for peace. And see, when we confess... It shows that we're willing to accept the consequences of our actions. And see, that's what people are trying to avoid. That's why they deny it. That's why many times they will lie about it. That's why your kids often, whenever you call them out on something, hey, did you guys do this? They want to lie to you. Why? Because they're wanting to avoid the consequences. And but and even though on this world, sometimes we get away with things, with God, we never will. And we don't want, I, I hope when you were a kid and even now, whenever you did tell that lie, it should have done something inside of you. It should have bothered you. You know, then you got to go on your way thinking, man, I hope mom and dad don't find out. You now have that guilt that you're carrying with you. And that kind of thing, it causes an, an internal conflict that will mess with the person, It will mess with your personality. It will mess with your thinking. It will give you all kinds of grief in your life. And and we need to understand that when we're guilty, we need to be willing to accept the consequences. You say, but wait a minute, but the consequences of sin is death. You say, I need to be willing to accept that consequence? Yes. But here's where the whole blessedness thing comes in. Bible says, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord will not impute sin. See, we need to accept the fact that, yes, I am guilty and I deserve death. And that's why we believe on Christ. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Jesus Christ paid my sin debt for me. He, did, he paid it for me. And But what many people are wanting to do today, they're rejecting his payment and they're thinking, I can make up for it myself. No, you need to realize that the consequence is death. Are you willing to die and go to hell? Or do you want to accept Jesus' payment that He made on the cross? And many people are rejecting that and they're not believing on Him. But those of us who have confessed, when we confess, we did it acknowledging that, hey, there is a consequence for sin and it's death, but hallelujah, Jesus paid that debt for me. And that's where the happiness comes from. That's where the joy comes from. That's why we call it the gospel. This is good news. Because I was guilty, but I don't have to pay for that sin. Jesus paid it for me. But you know what? And so my right now, my conflict, the guilt I have because of my sins against God—they're all good. They're all covered. Jesus paid that for me. But now, what about the guilt that we have when it comes to other people? Okay, because when it comes to our when we the fact that we've done wrong with other people, you know, I don't have the right. You know, if I go and I rip off Brother John, I I, I, I hurt him. I, maybe I say bad stuff about him. I, I'm posting bad things about him on Facebook. You know, it was just lies. And he, and he called me out and I was like, well, you know what? He's like, you need to make up for me. I got everybody mad at me. People are, you know, all this rumors being spread around about me. You know, you need to do something about this. No, I don't have to. Jesus paid for all of my sins. And so he's forgiven me. And so you need to forgive me too. Is that is that how I'm supposed to... Use that? No. You know what I need to do if I actually do something like that? If I want to have peace? I will not have peace if I try to claim the cross as payment for what I did to Him. Okay? The cross takes care of my sins against God. Okay? But here on earth, if I'm sinning against people and I do wrong, I need to confess that if I want to have peace. And I need to admit that, yeah, I lied about you. Yeah, I did wrong. And then you know what I need to do? I need to ask Him what, what do I need to do to make up for that? And I need to be willing to accept the consequences. He might tell me he wants me to write liar with a big Sharpie on my forehead and make a video telling everybody I'm a liar and that I lied about John. Now that's not going to be any fun, but you know what? If that's what he wants. That's what I ought to do <laughs> because I, mean, I did him wrong. I need, to, I need to make up for that. I got a lot of him and not a lot of negative attention. So I, he might need me to do something really crazy to uh, you know, get, get more attention. Because if you ever noticed how, whenever the press gets something wrong, like in the newspaper, they get something wrong, and they do a correction. You know, they'll get something wrong on the front page, but when they do the correction later, you know, it's on page 37, you know, where nobody's going to see it. And you know, he might need me to do something like that. But if I'm going to have peace with him, I've got to confess. I got to be willing to accept the consequences. When it comes to our sins against God, Jesus took those consequences. And that's why David said, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. That makes us happy. And, but, you know, man might not always be as forgiving as God. Thankfully, when it comes to our sins against God, I don't have to go to God and say, What do I need to do to make this right? Jesus already did that for me. And that makes me happy. Okay, but when it comes to earthly things, I might need to ask somebody and say, Hey, what do I need to do? And, you know, confession is going to make it more likely for us to resolve this conflict. If I go, and, me, and I, I've created this conflict now between me and Brother John, because I've heard him, I've done him wrong. If he comes to me and calls me out and says, hey, were you saying this about me? And I lie about it. And then he's got to go and find proof. What am I, I mean, my chances now of fixing this are pretty slim. Because now I've proved I'm a liar too. But if he comes to me... And I confess it, okay? Now let's just, let's be honest. We're not all as forgiving as God. But isn't it easier to make up with somebody when they're willing to admit they're wrong? Is, is that not easier? When you, know, when you go, I had somebody just the other day, I'm driving along in the one intersection right over there, and it's like the guy didn't see there was a stop sign, and man, he just pulled right out in front of me. And what does my flesh immediately want to do, you know? You know, start shaking my fist at them. you know, and, and so, as I'm getting ready to, you know, and I use Christian mean sign language, alright, I don't do any inappropriate gestures, but I, you know, I have before just, you know, something like that, or I'll look at somebody like they're an idiot, you know, I, I know how to say a lot of things with my faces. I've never cussed anybody out before, but let's just admit it, some of us, we've cussed people out with our looks, haven't we? And, and, and I know how to do that, and, uh, while well, I've never cussed anybody out, I've made the faces before, and as I was about to do that, the person he did that thing that we liked, you know, he, you know, like, you know, hes like, he's—he's doing universal sign language, saying, "I'm sorry, you know, I, I was wrong, I admit it." And you know what? I smile away. You're, you're fine. You're fine. You know how easy it was for me to forgive that guy, just because of the fact he confessed. It makes it—it it makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? We no longer had peace. I didn't get road rage. I didn't go try to chase him down and run him off the road after that. We made peace because of confession. And we, there's a lot of the conflicts that people are having in the world today. If they would just acknowledge that they're wrong and be willing to accept the consequence, it would a lot of times remove a lot of the, it would make the consequences easier. Because one way or another, eventually you're going to have to deal with the consequences of you doing wrong. And many people today, they're living with the guilt and the turmoil of just you know fighting these things and denying them, trying to claim their innocence. And they've got that internal conflict going on. They've got conflict between you know them and other men. They've got conflict between them and God. And if they would just in the beginning, right away, just confess it and say, I'll take whatever's coming, they would be a whole lot better off. They would actually be able to have peace. I told, I was I, I, Years ago, I told a story here. I remember I was reading it in the newspaper. I saw it on the internet about a guy who had committed a murder like 30 years before. And one day, he, he got away with it. He totally got away with it. Nobody even suspected this guy. And one day, 30 years later, he just went and he walked into a police station and he confessed to the murder. And... I was reading the story about him and they talked about just kind of the peaceful look this guy had on his face. And I guess as it turned out, this guy had gotten saved and took, got things settled between him and God. But you know what? He still had some problems between him and man. And while I'm sure he wasn't thrilled at the thought of going to prison, you know what? He now had a peace inside of him because you know what, I did wrong. I can't undo what I did, but I could at least go confess it and accept the consequences. And that's what many people today, they're trying to avoid that. And it's creating, a, you know, have you ever heard the statement, stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. Many of us, we create prisons in our own life because we're fighting these things. We have this turmoil where if we would just confess some of these things, we would probably get away, you know, it would, the consequences would be less. Just like when you do get charged with a crime, you get in less trouble when you plead guilty, don't you? But when you go and you plead not guilty and then they prove that you're a liar, the sentence is always worse in that situation because it shows that you don't have any remorse and we need to be just ready to confess it will help us to have peace. And so forgiveness, it's not ever guaranteed by man But it is guaranteed by God. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. God hates it when He hears sinful man talking like they're not sinful. But you know what? All of a sudden, we see God gets really forgiving when sinful man who's committed the same sins just confesses that sin. And He says if we confess it, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And thank God, when it comes to the spiritual penalty of sin, when it comes to you know, hell, Jesus Christ paid the price for us. We don't have to worry about that. But many people today are living in a prison on earth. They have internal conflict because they're not willing to accept the consequences for the wrong they have done on earth. And we need to be willing to do that. It's like we got spoiled since Jesus Christ paid for all of our sins and we don't have to go to hell. It's like we think we shouldn't have to deal with any problems in this life. No, if you sin in this life, you need to to pay the consequences. You know, Jesus, or in Peter, he said, you know, let none of you suffer as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters, where well, he was telling Christians, hey, you know, your sins are forgiven, they're covered, but you know what? If you're gonna suffer, there's gonna be suffering in this world, you know, let it be for doing good. Let it be for the cause of Christ. Don't suffer as an evildoer. You know, God, God doesn't want his people suffering, you know, for wrongdoing. Not because, because the fact, you know, he, and he's not saying he doesn't want them to suffer because God just doesn't want anything bad to happen to us. God's just saying, no, don't do those things because suffering will come as a result of those. And we ought to get them. OK, just because my sins are forgiven, I'm not going to go to hell. And I've been delivered from spiritual death. If I go and I kill somebody, I should be put to death. All right? I know they don't do that much these days, but I deserve to be put to death. And if they put me to death, if the state decided they were going to execute me, God's not going to have any problem with that. But God does not want me suffering that way, and so the way I avoid that suffering is by not doing those things. And so we need we need to understand this. Look what it says in Titus chapter three, verses four, verse four. See, and this is this is the attitude a lot of people have today. It's like we have this attitude because God is so forgiving, because God has promised this forgiveness. We've got this entitlement mentality when it comes to forgiveness. Look what it says in Titus 3, 4. It says, "...but after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior." The transgressor should never have an attitude I have a right to forgiveness. Okay, just because, you know, God has commanded us to be forgiving... I, I have no right, if I do Brother John wrong, and to go up to him and say, you know what, I did you wrong, you need to forgive me, because God says you ought to forgive. What are you going to do about it? Do you realize when I do that, when you go and you demand forgiveness on somebody, when you, you are actually stealing their ability to be merciful and to be forgiving. The, you know To be merciful, I mean, that's doing good to somebody who does not deserve it. And if I'm going and I'm trying to make you, I'm trying to guilt you into forgiving me. I'm trying to make like you owe me forgiveness. Well, then it's making it so you're not capable of being merciful. You know, it's nice to do something. I enjoy doing things for people who appreciate it, for people who don't expect it. I don't like doing things for people who feel like they're entitled to it. I'm getting tired of these people that call the church asking for money all the time and then treat me like a bad guy if I don't give them money. It's like, you know, first of all, I don't have any to give you. Second of all, you know, you're not entitled to any money in this church. Have you ever visited this church before? Have I ever even seen you before? And then, and here's the thing. Even if I wanted to, you know, give it to you, when you're demanding it and acting like you deserve it, it takes away that feeling of man. I did something really nice. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this because I have to. This person's gonna be mad at me. We should not have that attitude. It said that it talks about the kindness, love of God or Savior toward man appeared, and then it mentions, oh, guess what? And it wasn't by because of any works of righteousness which we have done. He was being merciful when he forgave us. We don't deserve it, and you know what? You don't deserve other people's forgiveness. But God said we ought to forgive. You know, people ought to forgive. They ought to forgive me. God can tell us to forgive other people because He forgave us. But we don't have the right to go around demanding forgiveness from other people. Jesus Christ forgave when He had done nothing wrong. Okay? He, so He has the right to tell us to forgive. But you know what? You don't have the right to tell me to forgive. And don't go hit me over the head with that scripture when you do me wrong. Listen, if I forgive, I want you let me feel like it's because I'm being obedient to God, because I want to, not because you're making me. That is a terrible attitude, and that's where a lot of people are at today. And when you when you have that attitude that says I deserve something, you're robbing the other person an opportunity to be merciful. You should be willing to take your punishment. You should be willing to take your medicine. And in many cases, your acceptance or rejection of the consequences, it's not going to change the outcome. Okay? It, it's either way, you're probably going to suffer. So you might as well just accept it so you can be at peace. Okay? If, if you're going to go to prison, that stinks. That would stink to go to prison. But you know what? If I'm going to have to go to prison, I would rather know that I'm at peace hey, I'm here because I deserve it, instead of beating my head against the wall, I don't deserve this when I do deserve it. I can't believe I'm here. No, I, I, could, at least be, I could at least have peace while accepting the consequences for my action. And so, you know, many miss the message of God's forgiveness. They see that free gift of salvation like many people see welfare. You know, they see welfare, you know, it's free money. Not caring about the fact that somebody had to pay for that. And our salvation, it is free to us. But we need to understand it wasn't free for Jesus. He had to pay for that salvation. He did it on the cross. And a person who gets saved is one that realizes that. It's one that has, it is that change of heart. What is that change of heart? I'm guilty. I'm not good enough. Jesus is good enough. He paid for that. And you confess that sin. You call on the Lord, and He will save you. And while and so when they when they when a person believes it in their heart, they will call on the Lord for salvation. Look what it says in Romans three twenty three: For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not not also the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it as one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. When you have faith in Jesus Christ, what you're doing, you're admitting you're a sinner. You know what you're doing? You're establishing the law. You know what we're doing? When a person admits they're a sinner, they are saying, this law is right and I am guilty. That's called confession right there. And I'm calling on the Lord for His mercy because I am, I'm guilty, and I want His righteousness, and when we do that, He gives it to us 100% of the time. And so the person who has salvation is the one who has confessed their sins, and it has, helped, it has caused them to make peace with God, Ephesians 2.14, for He is our peace who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God. He has, uh, he's made, or he, we were strangers and foreigners, but he has made us fellow citizens. He's made us part of the family, and, and he's given us that peace. And you know what? I, I was thinking about this when I read this passage about what it would be like as a little child being adopted. And we see in that, Pastor talks about, we receive the spirit of adoption to be an outsider and then all of a sudden get brought into that family. And I imagine it would probably take a little bit of time before you start really, before you get that peace and feeling like you're one of the family. But all of a sudden, when you start noticing, those par- hey, those parents are treating me the same way they t- treat the other kids. They're buying my food, they're buying my clothes. They're loving me. They're hugging me. They're celebrating my birthday. I'm getting all the privileges and benefits of all the other kids. And all of a sudden, you know, you go and maybe they get your you get your name changed to their name, and all of a sudden you have the same last name. And at some point, you know, it's got to feel great to all of a sudden know, hey, I am a part of this family. I'm a member of this family. I am I am not an outsider anymore. I'm at peace. Things are good. And we see that comes through salvation. And that peace that we can have in our souls, that peace with God, peace with man, whatever it is, it it all starts when we are willing to confess our sins, admit our guilt, and be willing to accept the consequences for our action. We can actually have peace. And many people today are living a life of turmoil because they're just in denial They're trying to fight these things. They're not willing to admit they're wrong on anything. And they've got that constant guilt and turmoil that they're living with. And we could actually have peace and be at rest if we would just confess and admit I'm wrong. And so with that, let's close the word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for the promises that You've given us. And Lord, we thank You so much that Lord, we don't have to do any works to make up for the sin in our life, Lord. If we'll just acknowledge them, Lord, and uh, call on you, you'll give us, uh, you'll impute your righteousness on us, Lord. We thank you for that, and I pray you'll help us when it comes to our our dealings with man, Lord, that we'll be willing to confess when we've done wrong. That we will get these things right. We won't run from it. We won't hide from it, Lord, but we'll confess it, so we can have that peace in our lives. And I just pray you'll I'll bless each one for it. In your name we pray, Amen. Let's all